All right, greetings to all of our campuses and venues. We are so glad you are here and that you're a part of what God is doing at Christ Community. There are so many cool stories of his activity. Let me share one. A couple of years ago, our Uganda team, a team that was in Uganda from Christ Community, met a young man named Alex who was very discouraged and alone. His father had abandoned his family. Alex was basically on his own, and he was about to drop out of school, nursing school, because he couldn't afford the tuition. Um, Some folks here at Christ Community heard about that need. They paid for his tuition. So in the past year, Alex has become a Christian and also has graduated, which is awesome. But there's more. You may not realize it, but we have a Christ Community campus in eastern Uganda. Um, Through your generosity, we were able to help them build a church building. which you can see there on the screen. And that's very cool. But not only that, we also help them build a, help build there a medical clinic that's very close to the church that just opened a couple weeks ago. It just opened. This clinic serves the whole area offering medical care for people who, who have not had access to that. Now, guess who is staffing that medical clinic? Alex, there he is. He is staffing that. So his life has been dramatically impacted by this church, and now other people's lives are being impacted as well through him, which is so cool. So cool. So it is, uh, amen. It is just, uh, it's so fun to be a part of a church where that kind of stuff is happening all the time. You know, we believe in a God who changes our lives, and we are here to learn about him and to experience him. Well, today we are um, continuing our summer series called Jesus Unexpected. We're looking at the life of Jesus and discovering or rediscovering who he really is. And and today we're looking at Luke chapter 5, where we're going to talk about, we're going to learn about the most important relationship in our life, our relationship with God. How do we enter into a relationship with God and how can we grow in that relationship? Those are two really, really important questions, and thankfully this passage answers these questions for us. So if you have your Bible or your iPad or smartphone, um, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Let me read beginning in verse 15. Yet news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So let's stop there for a moment. This is huge. Jesus is going through Galilee, healing people, casting out demons, teaching amazing messages, and he is a total stud. And and word about him is spreading. Twitter and Facebook are exploding, okay? That's kind of what's going on. And so not surprisingly, word about Jesus finally reaches the man, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was global headquarters for the Jewish religion. It's where the real stuff, the important stuff was happening. So Luke tells us here that some of these religious leaders in Jerusalem, they travel to see Jesus for themselves. And this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I mean, how would I feel? If uh, our denominational president or, or Billy Graham or the Pope was sitting on the front row today, you know, I'd probably be pretty nervous, right? Trying hard to impress them. So, so what about Jesus? New preacher on the block, the head honcho from corporate shows up. 
I mean, we would expect him to be doing whatever he could, right? To please them and impress them. Let me, let me get you some water and how are your accommodations? But he doesn't. He is not impressed with these muckety-mucks, right? In fact, he deliberately stirs the theological pot. Seriously? He does. Look at verse 17. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. <laughs> this is God's word. I mean, talk about being gutsy. I mean, not only is Jesus not trying to impress, clearly he's not trying to impress these guys. Not only that, he is deliberately forcing an issue with these religious leaders, an issue that is foundational in terms of them and in terms of us ever understanding how we can have a personal relationship with Jesus. So what is this core foundational issue? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, Jesus could have said to this man, be healed. Or he could have said, abracadabra or whatever. And the result is Jesus. The result would have been the same. But instead, Jesus intentionally said to this man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus deliberately chose to highlight the issue of forgiveness. Why? Because that's what this man really needs. That's what he really needs. That's what all of us really need. We need our sins forgiven. See, the core problem, the core problem of humanity is not a political problem or a technological problem or a medical problem. No, no, no. The, the core problem of humanity is a sin problem. We are all sinners. We don't follow God very well. In fact, we live our lives with self at the center. That's what sin is. In fact, notice how the word sin is spelled. It's very instructive. Notice the middle letter. It has the letter I at the center, right? At the center of all sin is a desire to put ourselves and what we want ahead of what God wants for us. I mean, let's face it. We are all sinners because we like to live with I at the center of our lives rather than God. Even when that results in a lot of heartache, and pain, and hurt relationships, and addictions, we still choose this. So by bringing up the forgiveness issue, Jesus is highlighting the fact that what every one of us needs is forgiveness. 
There is no other pathway to God. He is holy and we're not. The only way into a relationship with God is if we can have our own sins forgiven. But that's not all that Jesus is declaring here. Not only is he highlighting our need for forgiveness, he is also declaring that he is uniquely qualified to give us that forgiveness. And that's really, that's what really ticks off the religious leaders, right? Look again, beginning in verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I mean, I love this. I love this. Jesus, this rabbi from the sticks, I mean, that's really what Galilee was, this rabbi from the sticks, Jesus tells these these religious leaders from Jerusalem, I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sins. Deal with it. I'm God, you're not. I mean, Jesus is not backing down. He is not trying to impress anyone. He is absolutely clear on his identity, on his purpose. He is the means whereby we can experience forgiveness. Now, this came to full fruition months later when Jesus died on the cross for our sin. We deserved death and judgment for our sin. But Jesus loved us so much that he went to a cross. He went to the cross paying our sin debt. I mean, imagine if you were convicted of a crime and sentenced to prison. But as you were being led to punishment, the the punishment that you deserve, as you were being led away to the punishment you deserved, imagine if the judge stopped you right there. He took off his robe and he said, here's my son who is innocent, but he is going to take your place. He is going to pay the penalty you deserve to pay. So the handcuffs are removed from you and you're freed while the judge's son is put in handcuffs and is led away to pay your penalty. Now, I know that is beyond our imagination. That would never happen. But it did happen. It did happen. Jesus, though innocent, paid our penalty. He took our sentence and made it his own. And because of his death on the cross, we can experience forgiveness. Because of his death, we can experience forgiveness for all of our sin. Past sins, present sins, and even the sins we haven't committed yet. All of them paid for by Jesus. God's perfect atoning sacrifice. So, if we want to have a relationship with God, the key question is, what will we do with Jesus? That's the key question. And we really have only two choices. We have only two choices. One choice is to do exactly what the religious leaders did, to reject Jesus. Why did they reject him? I mean, why did they reject him? Well, a number of reasons, but one of the primary reasons is because they didn't think they needed forgiveness, right? That was their problem. 
they thought they were good enough. They were sincere. They were following, trying hard to follow God. They lived moral lives, right? These guys thought they were good enough to get to God on their own. They didn't need a savior. And a lot of people are exact, a lot of people today think that exact same thing. In fact, when asked, how do you go to heaven? Many people, many people would, would answer, be a good person. Just be a good person. It's very common. Some of you may believe that as well. It's a very popular idea that if, I'll, if I go to church pretty regularly, if I pray every once in a while, if I believe in God, if I try my best to be a good person, then God and I are good, right? We're, we're in a relationship. Now, now, please hear me. These are all good things. They're all good things. Praying and going to church, all that. We, we encourage these things around here. But these things I just mentioned, they are not... They are not what earn us a relationship with God. Now, the good news is it's actually not that hard. (laughs) According to Jesus, the way into a relationship with God is through forgiveness. Admitting, this is what we got to do, admitting that we're sinners in need of forgiveness and placing our trust in him for salvation. That's the other option. One is to ignore Jesus. I don't really need Jesus. I can do it on my own. The other option is to admit our need and place our trust in his work, what he has done for us. When you do that, you actually enter into a personal relationship with God, which means his very own spirit comes to live within you. You become a new person, a new person. You were given a new life, a new joy, a new purpose. And that purpose is to love God and discover all that God created you to be. See, this isn't just about getting to heaven, getting a ticket to heaven. It's about experiencing real life now. So that's the choice each of us have. That choice. And what's clear in the way Jesus presents himself is that sitting on a fence is not really an option. It's not really an option. Sitting on the fence is not an option here. Some of you for whatever reason, you may, you may be sitting on a fence regarding Jesus. And the problem with sitting on a fence, at least I've found this in my own life, when I'm sitting on a fence for any length of time, it can get really uncomfortable. I would urge you to get off the fence and decide, are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to ignore him? I remember when I was 18 years old, um, a freshman at Kansas State University, within the first few weeks of being there, it became very clear to me that I needed to make a decision about Jesus. Yeah, I was a Christian. I'd prayed to receive Jesus a few years earlier, but honestly, he was, he was just really, he, Jesus was just sort of a convenient side note in my life. If I needed help, I'd ask him for help. Otherwise, I kind of ignored him. I was the one calling the shots in this relationship, not him. But you know what? That's not how this relationship works. I mean, this Jesus that we're seeing in this passage, does he strike you as the kind of guy who's interested in taking orders from us? I mean, does he strike you as the kind of guy who's interested in trying to impress us? No. (laughs) He's God. And he wants us to follow him. To surrender to him. So at the age of 18, as a freshman in college, I decided it was time for me to get off the fence. It was time for me to follow Jesus. 
to get serious about my relationship with him. And I've never regretted that decision. And you won't either. You won't either. You know, I feel like I need to stop at this point um, and just give an opportunity for anyone here to say yes to Jesus, to receive his forgiveness and enter into a personal relationship with him. This is not the end of the message. There's more after this, but I think it would be good for us just to stop for a moment and pray. Okay, so would you bow your head with me? There may be some of you here and you know what you need is a personal relationship. You need forgiveness. It's not about you cleaning up your life. It's not about trying to be a good person. It's not about trying to go to church and impress God. It doesn't work that way. We're separated from God because of our sin. What we need, the only thing we need to do is admit our sinfulness and place our trust in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So if that's you, if that's you and you know you want to enter into this relationship with God through Jesus, then I invite you to pray along with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy and I'm not. I live so much of my life with self, with me at the center And I realize that my sin separates me from you. There's nothing I can do to get to you. But I don't want to be separated from you. I believe that Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross in my place. He took the penalty and the punishment I should have paid. And so I choose right now to admit my need of forgiveness. And I choose right now to place my trust in you alone, Jesus. I I bring my whole self to you, my faults and my fears and failures and doubts and questions and sins, all of it, even the sins I haven't committed yet, I bring it all to you and I lay it on you. And I now receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, I receive your spirit to come live in me now and change me from the inside out through the power of your love. Thank you for hearing this prayer. So, Father, I just want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in their relationship with you. Thank you that they have come to know you. Help them grow in this relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer with me, that is awesome. You have now entered into a relationship with Jesus. So how can you grow in this relationship? This is for all of us here. I mean, Jesus wants all of us to to know him and to follow him and, and, and to grow in our relationship with him. So how can we do that? Well, there are two really cool things, two practical things in this passage that help answer that question. Look with me again. This is for all of us here. Whether you just became a Christ follower or you're, uh, you've been a Christ follower for a long, long time, there are two things here that are critical for us in terms of all of us growing. Look with me again at the beginning of this passage that we're in today. Verse 15. Yet news about Jesus spread all the more 
So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I mean, Jesus was busy. He was in demand. Everywhere he turned, there were people who needed him, who wanted something from him. He could have his day filled from dawn to dusk and beyond that, ministering to people. No doubt about it. He was a busy man. But in the midst of this intense demand, he did something that reveals to us a critical spiritual growth principle. Look at the very next verse, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's fascinating. In the midst of the busyness and demands, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What we see here is an essential element of a growing relationship with Jesus. We grow in our relationship with Jesus by spending time alone with him. Spending time alone with him. This is all about relationship. I mean, Luke tells us the reason Jesus often withdrew. It wasn't just to get some space or time alone. No, no, no. The reason he withdrew was in order to pray. Prayer is one of our primary vehicles for communication with God. In prayer, we can express our love for him. We can express our worship of him, our gratitude to him. In prayer, we can ask for his help. We can experience his forgiveness. We can ask for his protection. And not only that, in prayer, we can hear his voice. We can hear his voice. See, what we're talking about is a close, personal relationship. I mean, think, think right now about an important relationship in your life with your spouse or your mom or dad or your, your children or, or a close friend or even a coworker. If you want to improve that relationship, what's it going to take? If you want to improve that relationship, what's it going to take? Will, 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 will it be you squeezing in a quick text message after you've canceled on them twice? Will it be you showing no interest in what's important to them? Will it happen from taking the other person for granted, neglecting their relationship? No. We all know the answer would be no. What what God wants for us is a close, vibrant, intimate relationship with him. God longs to meet with us personally. He wants us to make time for him. Time to just be in his presence. Time to enjoy him and to worship him and to pray to him and to listen to his voice. I mean, this is absolutely amazing when you think about it. It is amazing when you think about it. Think, think of a, a famous person that you would like to hang out with. <clears throat> Taylor Swift or Jimmy Fallon or Demarius Thomas or George Clooney or whatever, George Clooney. You name the person. Just think of a person you would want to hang out with. If you knew that that person was wanting to get together with you, would you take advantage of that? Would you set up a time to hang out? Of course you would. So think about this. This Jesus who walked the earth, who did miracles, who rose from the dead, this Jesus who offers you new life, this Jesus wants to hang out with you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time alone with you. He wants to be with you. It's amazing. How often do we say yes to his invitation? How often do we make time to be alone with him? 
oh, I'm busy, you know, life's busy and crazy, and I got all this stuff going on. Hey, no, 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 no. We, we can say we're busy, but you know what, let's just be real about this. In reality, we all make time for the things that are important to us. We just do. I remember when I first met Raylene, I was a busy guy, but I made time for her. No one had to guilt me into that. I carved out hours to be with her. It's, it's, not, it's not about busyness, is it? Really, it's not really about busyness. It's about intentionality. It's about priority, <laughs> prioritizing. It's about scheduling it in. It's the way we, we know that if we, anything important in our life doesn't just happen automatically, we just schedule it in. That's what this is about. And it's also about getting away by ourselves. It says Jesus went away to a lonely, a solitary place. He went away by himself. No distractions. We're talking about a place where, where we can focus our hearts and our minds on him, where we are still enough to hear his voice. Now, that may require some creativity depending on your stage of life and how many little kids you have running around you. I understand that. But, but it can happen. It can happen. Maybe creatively, maybe you lock the bathroom for 15 minutes or whatever, but, but it can happen. Our hearts long for this. We know we need it. Time alone with Jesus. The key is to find a place and a rhythm that works for you and then schedule it in. Could be in the morning, could be evening. It doesn't matter what time. Just it, The key is to find a place that works for you, a time that works for you, schedule it in. I would encourage you, if it's kind of new to you, start with 15 minutes. You may want to read a, a Bible passage, just a portion of the Bible, and then pray. I like to use the Lord's Prayer as my model for prayer. I, there are six sections to the Lord's Prayer, and what I do most, every, most often when I pray is walk through that, that prayer. Um, if you're interested in more details about that, I actually just posted um, three blogs um, where, I, where you can read more. On my blog, you can read them, three just parts to that, how to pray through the Lord's Prayer if you're interested in that. Okay, so that's one aspect of spiritual growth, spending time alone with Jesus. But there's another essential aspect that we also see in this passage. Look with me beginning in verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This is such an amazing scene. Here are these men who are carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him. When they get there, they couldn't find a way in because everyone was around you because, because of the crowd that was gathered. So what did they do? Did they say, oh, well, we tried. Sorry, Joseph, we just can't get in. Let's head home. No, they, they were not leaving until their friend had received prayer. So they figured out another way to make this happen, a very creative way, and yet not an easy way. They actually carried this man up on the roof. Think about that. They're, they're carrying a human being, not a little backpack. This is 150, 200 pounds of dead weight, right? Right? They lift him up on the roof. 
They removed some ceiling tiles, and then they lower their friend on his mat so that he drops right, well, he drops is the best word. They, they set him down right in front of Jesus. And notice what Luke says about Jesus' response. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith did Jesus see? Their faith. The faith of the friends. Now, now was Jesus looking into their hearts supernaturally? Could be. But he didn't have to do that to see their faith. These friends had carried this man. And then had lifted this man onto the roof. And then had lowered this man so that he could be prayed for by Jesus. That's faith in action, isn't it? I mean, that is faith in action. <laughs> and it's not only faith, it's, it's a friendship. It's friendship. When I first started looking over this passage a couple of weeks ago, just kind of thinking about it and preparing the message, my heart was initially struck by this amazing friendship these men demonstrate. And, and I realized this is what all of us need to help us grow in our relationship with Jesus. Being in genuine spiritual friendships. Being in genuine spiritual friendships. Spiritual growth is not a solitary activity. We need other people to help us grow. I mean, think of what these men did in this passage. It is amazing. It's an amazing picture of true spiritual friendship. I mean, they, they genuinely cared about this man's welfare. They wanted him to get help. And not only that, they put legs to that desire. They were willing to be inconvenienced. They were willing to sacrifice in order to get their friend to Jesus. I mean, they carried him the whole way. And then they carried him up on the roof. This was not easy. But it's what friends do. It's what friends do. They, they are willing to sacrifice to help meet a need they see in someone they care about. And notice their ultimate goal. They just wanted to get their friend to Jesus. That was their ultimate goal. That's what, that's what a, a true friend is all about. They just want to help you get to Jesus. They just want to help you get to Jesus. A true friend is not someone who supplies you with drugs or, or encourages you to participate in behaviors that will not be helpful to you. A true friend is not someone who uses you to get their own needs met. No, a true friend wants the best for you. And they know that is found in Jesus. See, that, that's why I refer to this as a spiritual friend. Every one of us here needs friendships like this. Friends that care about us and are willing to sacrifice for us and are most concerned about our relationship with Jesus, helping us stay focused on him. We all need that. I asked on Facebook a couple weeks ago, as I was preparing this, working on this, I asked for people to share a story of what true friendship looks like uh, in their own experience. I received some incredible responses. Our, our friend, just, I'll read a couple or mention a couple. Our friend and ministry partner in Kenya, uh, Jacob Auma, wrote... When I had an accident and was in the hospital, a friend walked on foot for four days and came to visit me. He prayed with me every morning and evening for one week until I was able to walk on my own. Another person described how when her husband died in a tragic accident, a friend drove from Kansas all the way to Texas just to be there with her. 
Someone else shared about how in the midst of the heartache of a very contentious and painful divorce, she had three friends that held her while she was vomiting in the bathroom. So upset from all that was happening. Another, another friend of mine, that the wife of a pastor a friend of mine, shared about how when her family moved to Wisconsin, she had a horrible attitude about it because she was from the South. You know how people from the South are. No, just kidding. But uh, um, um, she just had a horror. She wanted to be in the South. And, um, and, and uh, so she had a horrible attitude about being in Wisconsin. And, uh, and she, uh, she was sad all the time that she was being there. She was just sad all the time. One day, she uh, said that a friend of hers, they got together for coffee, and a friend of hers lovingly told her, God has called you and David here. You are resisting his will with your sadness in your being here. You need to submit your will to his. They were hard words. Those were hard words, but my friend knew they were true. She needed to be pointed back to Jesus in her heart. Again, that's what true friends do. They don't necessarily tell us what we want to hear, but they do point us to Jesus. They point us to Jesus. And we, we all long for friendships like that, don't we? I mean, it's sort of ironic, really. This is kind of ironic, but in many respects, we are more connected to others than any previous generation because of social media. Right? We, we, we are better connected. We know more about what other people around us are experiencing than any other generation. And yet often in our quieter moments, we feel lonely. We feel disconnected. I mean, we may have 500 Facebook friends and yet feel like no one really knows me. Or we may talk about our deep friendships, but the reality is those were guys we hung out with in college and we rarely talk with them anymore. But, oh yeah, we got great friendships. So how can we grow in these kinds of friendships? There's no quick and easy formula for this, but there is one non-negotiable. We have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional about it. We have to make time and space in our lives for spiritual friendships. They don't just happen. I was talking with a friend of mine just this past week, and he said to me, my wife and I are tired of being disconnected from community. We're going to join a small group this fall. They, they live in another state, but they were saying, we're just tired of being disconnected from community. We're going to join a small group this fall. That's intentionality. We have to make time for these kinds of friendships. And by the way, I'm, I'm really excited about the vision our church has for groups. For several months, we have been prayerfully developing a vision for groups that we're going to be talking about starting in September. So please be patient as this vision begins to unfold this fall. It may take a little longer to get connected to a smaller community because of, we're, we're in the process of this unfolding, but it's worth the wait, okay? It's going to be worth the wait. We want everyone to be connected in a transformative community. And I'm excited to share that vision and more, more about that in a few weeks. But one, one of the thought here is we're talking about friendship. I just want to acknowledge that spiritual friendships can be hard to develop. It just can. We may feel like, and I, many of us here probably may feel like we're always taking the initiative. We're always the one, you know, we're trying to be intentional and, and, and we are, we're, we're the ones being intentional and it doesn't seem to be reciprocated. You know, maybe, maybe you feel that way. And it hurts. And what we want to do, and I, I, know, I know what we want to do is sort of withdraw and do the pity party thing, right? 
And I totally get that. I totally get that. But let me just encourage us to not stay too long in the pity party of loneliness and instead to ask God to open our eyes to the needs around us and to send people into our lives that we can encourage with our friendship. It may not be the people we initially thought would be good friends. The, initial, the people we initially really wanted to be good friends, it may not be those people, but that's okay. Sometimes God surprises us, us with friendships that we didn't expect. People we didn't expect we'd ever have a friendship with. Sometimes he surprises us in that way when our eyes are open and our hearts are open to that. The key goes back to the, the point of this message cultivating a relationship with Jesus. When we're doing that, growing in humility, growing in, in love and joy, all the things that Jesus wants to bring in our lives, when, when we're growing in that, people will be drawn to us and we'll be drawn to them. Our eyes will be more open to what God is doing in this realm of friendships all around us because he wants us to have that. He wants us to grow in that. We all need that in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are so amazing. You are so amazing in terms of uh, just not being impressed, not being, trying to impress people. You just told it like, it like it is. You just tell it like it is. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful for the forgiveness you bring in our lives, for this new life we have in you. And we want to grow in that. We want to grow in our relationship with you. So thank you for showing us in this passage these two things to help us grow. And I want to pray, first of all, for all of us here, that we would grow in our, in our intimacy with you. We would make time. We would be intentional about this as a priority. Make time to be alone with you, to spend alone with you. So I pray that for each one of us, for those who have maybe fallen out of the habit, for those who are just starting this, Lord, I just pray for this. If it's just 15 minutes, that you would meet us there and help us grow. I pray for that. And that we would always remember it's about relationship with you. It's, it's about growing in a relationship with you over time. And, and so I pray for that, that we would long for that with you. We would make time, we would make this a priority. God, forgive us for just being so busy and then using that as an excuse. But Lord, our hearts long to say, yeah, this is a priority. This relationship's a priority. So I, I pray that for all of us, help us grow in that. And I want to pray as well for the second aspect of spiritual growth, for, for genuine spiritual friendships for all of us here. And I'm guessing that, I'm guessing most all of us fairly recently have felt like, man, I don't have any friends. Maybe we just felt lonely. I think that is so common, Lord. And, 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 and yet you long for us to have this. We long for it. And so I want to pray that our eyes would be open. Our hearts would be open to be this kind of a friend for people, to take the initiative to, and, and, and then our eyes would be open just to be available and that you would be providing these friendships as we are these, this kind of friend 
that, that all of us could grow in this. Even if it's just one person, we would grow in this, all of us here. We would find people that would help point us to Jesus and that we could help point to Jesus. And so I pray for that. I pray for this vision for community and, and, and smaller groups this, that, that we're talking about. This fall. I just pray for this church that everyone here in the next few months could be connected in community in a life-transforming way. And so we pray you would just help us grow in spiritual friendships, God. I pray you'd encourage those who feel lonely, who feel alone, encourage them, open their eyes to see the opportunities that you bring their way to be a friend to someone else. So we pray for that. Help us grow in our relationship with you, Lord. Thanks for making it all possible through your forgiveness. We're so grateful. We love you, Jesus. We love you. So why don't we stand at all of our campuses here. Let's stand as the worship team leads us. So set us free to worship you, Lord Jesus. We, we love you. We need you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, God.